Welcome. Glad that you are here with us. My name is Brandon, the community pastor here at Antioch. And um, again, I'm glad that you had braved the elements this morning to, uh, to be here with us this morning. I want to start off this um, with our time together um, talking a little bit about adoption. I know a lot of you um, have adopted. I know a lot of you are maybe looking to um, the process of adoption. Antioch seems to be um, a place where families are adopting. Um, and so this morning, I want to invite my friends, um, Hal and Ashton, to come on and uh, come on stage this morning and tell us a little bit about their adoption story and where they um, are at and where they're heading um, through that. Hal and I go way back. We were college roommates, uh, started up a Bible study back at Oregon State um, back in 95. So you're getting old, man. Um, yeah, thanks. And then uh, Ashton, his wife, um, amazing story, what God's been doing in her life. And a couple winters ago, um, decided to get baptized. And actually, Hal and I baptized her in the Deschutes in February a couple winters ago. So um, pretty, pretty amazing there. She, Hal and I kind of tiptoed out into the water, and she just ran and um, showed us up. So it was humbling, but an awesome scene there. So uh, I'm just going to talk to you guys a couple questions this morning about um, kind of your story with where you're at and why adoption and why now, and um, talk, us a little, talk us through a little bit of your guys' story. Um, well, it's been a crazy road for us. Uh, Ashton and I have been together for a long time, um, but we've only been married for about a year. Uh, we've known for a long time that we're not able to have uh, babies naturally, so um, just through a lot of talking about it and thinking about it, we uh, decided to adopt. And um, so we just feel really blessed uh, by God to be able to have the opportunity to adopt. And um, after thinking for a long time, we just decided that Ethiopia was the place where we wanted to uh, adopt from. We just felt really led to do that. Um, and so we started that process probably about a year ago, um, kind of right when we got married or near then. And um, it's just been a crazy road. Uh, it's been just full of ups and downs. The process is really um, thorough, as you know, for those of you who know about it. Um, but here we are, we're standing here. We have um, our baby who is in Ethiopia, um, ready for us to come over. And so we're just waiting. We've got just a little bit of time, uh, less than a month till we go over there and see him. And so, that's kind of our journey up Great. to this point. Awesome. Thank yep. you. Um, and then I know here, Ashton, you've got, it's more than just going and picking up the kid and coming back. You have an opportunity to do some other work while you're over there? Yeah, I certainly do. Um, in Ethiopia, they just put a new regulation that you actually have to stay in Ethiopia for about eight weeks until the embassy date. And most people actually do fly back and then fly a second time to the embassy date. But uh, my husband will stay 10 days. And then when I go back, when um, he comes back, he has to work. And then I get to stay there for about two and a half months. And I did actually get a six month visa because the process is pretty iffy about when you actually get court dates and whatnot. So um, I plan to be there anywhere from two months to six months. And then in that time, I actually go to orphanages or um, there's actually a lot of missions over there starting schools. And I just plan to help out wherever I can, give some donations and just spread the love of Christ. Awesome, that's great. And then how can we as a church kind of come alongside and help you guys? What, what can we be doing here? Um, I actually did compile a cookbook. I don't know if you guys saw it out there, but um, it's called 101 um, Adoption 101. It's 101 recipes that are actually donated by adoptive families, mostly locally here in Bend. And uh, in a couple of front pages, there's uh, poems that are written by adoptive families. There's also um, many facts and um, 
quotes from people in Ethiopia. Um, so just really some good tried and true recipes. And a lot of them are actually from Australia, where I'm from, if you haven't noticed. And uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, if you uh, do like Australian recipes, I mean, Outback Steakhouse, well, it's not really like that. We actually have true authentic recipes. Um, but no, it's a really, it's a wonderful recipe book and some really great um, Ethiopian and African dishes in there too. So we just really appreciate you guys. It's $15, and uh, if you could help um, with our donation, any sort of donation or buy a cookbook, that'd be really appreciated. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, guys. Let's pray for you guys real quick. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who um, wants to be involved in our lives. You are a God who is at work constantly, um, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you are a God who um, brings life into our lives. Um, we thank you that it's, it's um, your will um, for a lot of us to have kids and to be able to go down that road. Um, and so, Lord, we are here this morning praying for Hal and for Ashton as they um, head on a plane soon and go and meet their son. And I know a lot of parents here remember that, that first time parenthood as that kid enters your life and the changes um, and the new perspective that gives us on life with you, God, and you being our father and us um, walking with you in that, that life journey. And so, Lord, we pray for them. We pray that um, they would um, have safe travels. We pray that the adoption process would go through. Um, we pray that you would protect them. And, um, Lord, their desire to, um, to adopt, to, uh, to bring a child into their life, into their home, um, Lord, that that would, that would happen in your time and in your will. And we thank you for that, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Yep, you can set it somewhere over there. <clears throat> a lot of exciting stuff going on. Obviously, Linda's announcement's always great. Um, couples adopting. I know there's a lot of you that have adopted or are looking to, pro looking to get in the, involved with the process of adoption. We um, have actually a home group um, that meets um, to talk about adoption. And so um, encourage you to, um, if that's something that you have questions about, are excited about, um, come meet Hal and Ashton. They've got a table in the commons. They'd love to answer your questions or, or meet you, or maybe you could pray with them one more time um, before they head out, but pretty exciting stuff. If you've got your Bible, let's go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 1. And while we're getting to Matthew 1 this morning, I want to make a quick note while you're trying to find Matthew chapter 1. Um, if you've been at Antioch the last couple years, you might remember that we, we've kind of started a tradition um, that the first Sunday of the year, which would be next Sunday, we kind of do a um, uh, sermon um, biography. So Ken will be doing that next Sunday um, on the life of Soren Kierkegaard, talking about faith and Abraham. Um, and so it'll be a sermon biography next Sunday. Um, so you want to definitely come back for that one. It should be um, a pretty good time. So here's the question. Have you ever just wondered what God was doing? Have you ever pondered, taken a moment, and asked, what is God doing? Like, just grabbed a cup of coffee, sat down, and just had a journal, or just thought, what is God doing? Like, what is he up to? What's his plan? What's his purpose? What's his will? What's he trying to do? What is God's plan? What's his story what is the big guy about? And that's what I want us to look at with our time here this morning. 
is try to unfold, unpackage a little bit of what God is, is doing here. What has he done and what, what is he doing? Now, if you don't own a Bible and you're looking for a good book to read in the year 2011, I would highly encourage you to pick it up. It's an easy read. Uh, breeze right through it. But the Old Testament is chock full of what God has done. Since the dawn of time until about 2,000 and some years ago, it's what God has done. It's stories of his will and his passion and his calling to us, his people. But then there's a flip in the story. And hopefully you celebrated that yesterday with your family. You didn't get caught up in all the commercialism of Christmas. We actually took time and celebrated the story that God is telling us. Just want to recap real quick. Maybe you missed it, but Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, being Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So in this process of what is God doing, God's telling a story. And you and I get to choose to engage in that or not engage in God's story. And so as God is telling this story all throughout history, there's this moment where he sends his son down to us. And we celebrate his birth in crazy ways, bring a tree in the house, I don't know, but we celebrate his birth. And it's, it's a gift, and it's joy, and it's family, and it's fun. And, but then we realize quickly that Jesus grows up. And not only does Jesus grow up, he grows up and he says some pretty amazing, powerful, potential life-changing things. So if you have a Bible, again, go to Luke. I want to read three powerful, life-changing scriptures that help us either jump on board with what God's doing, or maybe we pull back and say, I don't know if I'm ready to jump into God's story yet. I like my own story over here. I got my own thing going over here. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. So little baby Jesus that's been so cute in your manger all this month, he grows up, and he says something pretty profound. Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Jesus grows up and he says, hey, if you want a life that's worth it, you need to die to that life and follow me. That's big. Let's go to John chapter 10. 
John 10, 14, and 15. Again, a, a pretty profound thing that Jesus says, John 10, 14, and 15. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus again saying, I am the good shepherd. If you want to know God, you need to know me. That's tough. It's tough to let Jesus be our shepherd, to give up our life and, and follow after him. It seems mystical and, and awkward, and, and how do I contemplate praying and having a conversation with this living God? How do I, how do I, how do I let Jesus be my shepherd? He says he's a good shepherd, but how do I let that happen? How does that play out in my life? And then the third and final scripture I want us to look at as far as things that Jesus said is, again, John, this time chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So God's telling a story. His will is getting played out. He's doing his thing. And he drops Jesus into the world scene. And we celebrate his birth, and angels are there, and, and it's, it's happening. And then Jesus grows up, and he says some pretty challenging things for you and I. Potential life-changing things. Potential eternity-changing things. And so that's where we find ourselves. What do I do with this Jesus? I just maybe celebrated his birth, but what do I do this next year? How do I handle that? How does that get lived out through me, through the choices I or we make? What does that look like? I've been a full-time pastor now for 13 years. I've logged a lot, a lot, a lot of hours with people wrestling through these three very simple but yet very complex issues of how do we handle Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is what I've seen, what I've observed over the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours I've spent with people trying to figure out who this Jesus is and how does that Jesus get lived out in my life, in my family's life, in my company's life, in my in-law's life. What does that look like for me? So how do we as people respond to this story, the storyline that God's telling? There's two things I've noticed about people over the last 13 years. The first thing is people have a desire to belong. Have you noticed that with yourself or with a family member or, or just someone you've met? We have a desire to belong. We want to fit in somewhere. And so maybe you grew up in a home and, and your home was very inviting and very warm and you felt like you belonged in your home. I've met people who never felt like they belonged in their home. Mom and dad Never, I never felt like I was their kid. 
And they would cling to me or cling to other people that were trying to live out this love that Christ calls us to live out. And they finally felt like they belonged somewhere. It's one of the reasons why here at Antioch we are so passionate about having people belong, being the church, and having ministries where people can come in and feel like this is a place where they are welcomed. This is a place where they can be, that they belong here. If you don't have a sense that you belong somewhere, it is sad, that loneliness feeling that you see. And I think God wired us that way, and I think that's one of the reasons that we love those scriptures that say God has adopted us, right? God has brought us into his family. And we have this eternal perspective that, you know, my family's you know, situation might be okay here, good, bad, maybe just okay, but I belong to a God, and I'm his son, I'm his daughter, and one day I'm going to be there with God forever. I belong. I have that sense and that's one of the amazing things about adoption. Um, my uh, parents adopted my youngest sister uh, from Korea years and years ago. And to bring her in and to belong, that's an amazing thing to see. Adoption, it's an amazing thing to see. We have a sense to belong. <laughs> the other thing I've noticed about people is people want to be happy. And we'll do almost anything to try to gain happiness. We'll do almost anything to try to gain happiness, but the problem is we oftentimes don't realize what happiness is. We, we claw at it and we, we try to cling to these things that won't last. It's not fulfilling. Happiness isn't just a pill you take and you feel jolly for 10 minutes. It's something that you, you invest. It's joy. It's long-lasting. It's the the only way to really grasp that is a relationship with God. But I've seen people do stupid things because they're just trying to be happy. I've seen solid men of God abandon their wife and kids because they're trying to fulfill a happiness that's not obtainable outside of God. I've seen wives uh, cheat on their husbands or abandon their kids because they, they want to relive their, their 20s. And they think that's going to make them happy. Being able to do what I want, when I want, that's happiness. And then I've seen them mature and, and, and try to come back. I realize that wasn't happiness. People will do almost anything to try to be happy. Not grasping that happiness is not something you can do yourself. You can't make yourself happy. You can't just not worry and be happy. Happiness only comes, joy only comes when we have that solid relationship with God. And we know that he's forgiving and he's loving and I'm with him and he's with me and he's got a plan and I'm part of his story. And he's waiting for me on the other side of, of, of life and I get to have eternity with him. That's long-lasting. So God's telling a story. The story is Jesus. And how do we respond to Jesus? There's three ways I've seen people respond 
to Jesus. The first is man rejects God. Man rejects Jesus. Man rejects the invitation of love, the invitation of salvation, the invitation of partnership with God and trying to glorify him. Man just rejects that. Says, I don't want that. I remember talking to a lady one time who uh, says, well, I prayed once and I asked God to do something and he didn't do it, so I don't believe in God. I, re- I reject God. That's an interesting way to, uh, to just put your whole faith in God. I prayed once, he didn't do what I wanted, and so I reject the whole Christianity, the whole Bible. I reject God. Man, just I don't want him. It's not for me. That's not my religion. That's not my God. That's not my Jesus. I don't want that. The second type of, of person I've seen react to the story of, of God and the, 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 the redemptive nature of, of Jesus is man will accept God. They'll accept Jesus. They'll believe it. They'll wrestle to understand it. But then they accept God on their own terms. Well, I'll believe in God, but this is the God I want to believe in. I like some of the scriptures. I like, I like being forgiven. Now, I, I'll try to forgive others, but these other things, well, I don't care if God calls those sins. I want to do those things. So I'll believe part of God, but I still want to have my own kind of thoughts and my own you know, values and my own ways about doing things. And so they'll accept God, but then they'll make their own God. And they'll say, well, these are my terms, God. God, if you want to have a relationship with me, this is what I want you to do and how I want you to do it and when I want you to do it. So God, if you, if you want to be on my team, I'm over here, God. You, you can come be with me. And that's, to me, the most frustrating thing to see someone in that type of relationship with God. Because they're, they're almost there. They're, they've got a concept of God and his grace and his love and his passion, and they're right there. But yet they're not willing to let it all go and to give it to God. And so they make their own version of God. And I think that more than anything frustrates God. They're so close. And so I think these first two people, what I've concluded is these first two people, those that reject God and those that accept God, but then on their own terms, I think the biggest thing that they're probably struggling with is fear, is fear. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe that's exactly where you're at this morning. You're just, you've been rejecting God. I, I can understand that. He's kind of a big God. And he kind of asks a lot, and there's a lot going on with having a relationship with him. It's not just, you know, you sign up once, put your name on the dotted line, and, and, and you're, it's just easy from there. Or maybe you're in the other place where you've accepted Jesus, you've accepted God, you've begun that relationship, but somewhere along the way, your version of faith versus God's version of, of walking with him, it, it didn't line up. And so he said, you know what, God, I'll just take a break from you. And I want to come over here, and I just kind of want to spend time doing my own thing. I've got my own plans. I've got my own ways about doing this relationship. I've got my own ways about starting this company. Or, you know, I've got my own ways about living. So, you know, every once in a while, okay, thanks, God, but I kind of got it all figured out. 
And I would say those two people, it's fear that's holding them back. It's, it's fear of giving your life over to God and saying, okay, God, it's, it's yours. All that I am, it, it's yours. I'm putting myself on the altar for you. I'm not just cutting a check and putting in the tithe. I'm stepping in the tithe box and I'm saying, God, I'm yours. What do you want to do with me? Take all of me from head to toe, my gifts, my talents, my passions, my joys. Take it all, God. And I'm going to not fear. I'm not going to wonder what's behind the, the curtain. I'm going to step into that relationship and say, God, here I am. Use me. And the reason I think people that I've seen people over the years have fear of that is because they don't quite understand what God's about. Their vision, their concept, their thought process of who God really is isn't fully complete. Their definition of the God of the Bible is is from a movie or from a story or from some weird experience that really wasn't even God. And so they've chalked God up to be something that he's just not. So what do we do with that? Well, we, we praise God that he's man and woman. They've captured who God is in this book. And they've written about who he is. And so I would say if you've been rejecting God or if you've been living your own version of Christianity to read this, it's a good book. I would also encourage you to to find someone, a mentor or a home group or somewhere where you can sit and you can receive what's true. And then you can ask questions or you can talk to people afterwards or you can sit and wrestle with these issues. And you wouldn't just take a, you know, a weird concept or an off judgment or something that somebody did and put that label and bumper sticker God that way. But you'd sit and you'd have patience and the time and you'd invest in discovering who God is. And I promise you those fears will just begin to melt away. And the God that will emerge as your fears melt away will be so appealing will be so loving and so gracious. And you'll ask yourself, why would I have ever chose my own way over what God has for me? It's just not even a choice anymore. God so is in love with me. He so wants to have a relationship with me. You know, it's like the the person um, who was in my office a couple months ago, her, her first marriage was ugly. The guy was a jerk. There's nothing good about him and the way he treated her. And so now her view of marriage is this. It's tainted. It's wrong. It's not what God had for marriage. So she's trying to process through what does a healthy, good marriage look like. And I think we do that a lot with God. Well, my view of God is this and this. and That's not right. That's not accurate. Let's go back to who God really is and what he really says and what he really wants us to do. He wants to save us from the life we would create for ourselves. That's powerful. He wants to guide us as a good shepherd and lead us to places that we can't even fathom that are so amazing that only he can take us there if we would just let him lead us as a shepherd. 
He wants to give us this life that's redemptive, that says, I don't care what you've done, who you are, I want to invite you into my family. I want to clothe you with my, with my abilities, my gifts, my talents. I want to love on you like you've never felt love before. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God that exists. That every day is so stoked that you're on this planet, and every day he's so excited, hoping that you'll give him an opportunity to speak to you. God just wants to just spend time with you, hoping you'll read a little bit about who he is and who his character is and who his nature is, and then you'll chew on that, you'll meditate on that, you'll soak that up, and you'll say, wow, God, how are you going to lead me today because you're my good shepherd? Wow, God, you mean I don't have to have a fear over that because your love casts out fear, and I get to just relax. You're going to take my burdens, and I can just be. Wait, God, you mean you want to actually use my gifts, my talents, my abilities, and actually do something meaningful and passionate? That's crazy, God. I want to follow. That's who God is. That's the relationship we're talking about. And the third and final way I've seen people react to this storyline that God's saying, and then Jesus enters the scene, and Jesus says these, these things to us. The third way I've seen people wrestle with Jesus, a life with Jesus, is it's man that will accept God's invitation to that life of grace and love and forgiveness and joy. And then they, they accept it, and then they live to glorify God with it. They don't reject God. They don't take God at their own, you know, that's cool for you, God, but I'm going to do these things. They accept God's invitation, and they turn around and say, okay, God, I want to glorify you with this life. I want to glorify you with all that I am. I want to give my life back to you, God. I want people to see a loving God through my life. I want my wife, I want my kids to know that their dad has a relationship with God, and because of that relationship with God, I as a wife or I as, my, as a kid, I feel my father's love. And no, oh, he's going to blow it, and no, oh, he's going to you know, not handle every situation possibly, but my dad, as a dad, we're going to come back to our kids and say, I'm sorry, I didn't show God's love to you that way. Or we're going to look back at our wives and we're going to say, I'm sorry, I lost my patience with you. That was not the way I wanted it to go down. But be patient. Be patient. God's working in me, and I want to love you more. I want to be a better husband. Now, wives would would say, you know what? I have such a deep relationship with this God that I see my husband, and I want to respect him, and I want to honor him, and I want to love him, and I want to love on the kids. And, And so this husband and wife, they'd come together, and they'd have this relationship with God, and it would be a relationship like they've never had before. Because they're not focused on his needs and her needs. They're focused on God and what God is doing. And if you're married and your marriage is not focused on God and what God's doing or your marriage glorifying God because he's brought you together, I highly want to encourage you today to make that a point. How do we let God be the center of our relationship? Dads, moms, we'd say, how because I have a relationship with God are my kids going to see that? And if you're not married, that you would set yourself up in such a way that you're waiting for God to bring that right guy or that right gal into your life. 
And you're not over here screwing around doing your own things because it's just fun and it's what you want to do. But you're positioning yourself to be ready to receive another person that's living it out for God. And when you get together, it's going to be to bring God the glory. And you're not going to, oh, finally, finally found, you know, you know my, my, my soulmate. But it's, no, I've been waiting for God to bring this person into my life. And I've been living in a way that shows God I'm ready. I'm ready to be married. I'm ready for that person. It's tough though, isn't it? Why does it have to be so hard to follow God? Why does it have to be so difficult day in and day out to follow after God? And I... I, to be honest, in my 13 years of experience, what, what I've learned is it's because we're really good at loving ourselves. We're really good at knowing what we want and how we want to be treated. And we're just really poor at trying to love others and show love to others. So how do we, how do, we do that? How do we live that life out? That reminds us every day God is telling a story. In the year 2011, God is telling a story. And where do I fit? What's, how does my life intersect with God's story? And how do I get back to what God is, is doing? And how do I live that life out? I kind of feel like you got three options. You can reject God. You can reject God and, and, or accept God and, and do it on your own terms. Or you can daily, daily accept God. It's okay, God, it's about your glory. It's about what you have planned. It's about who you are and what you want to do. It's tough. It's tough. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's fine. You can just pay attention. I want to share a couple of things here, and we'll wrap it up. Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. How do we live this life day in and day out? We, we have to get our minds around the fact that God is real and God's in heaven and he's got a story he's telling. We need to set our minds on things that are above. So what does that mean? We stop paying our mortgage and we stop picking our kids up from school and we abandon our families because we're just so fixed on things that are above? No, absolutely not. But it means we carve out time to spend with God and we fix our eyes, we fix our attention, we think about God's story. We fix our hearts on things that are above. And just maybe in the moment of that, God will whisper to you what he has planned for you. What it is that he's been waiting to tell you because that is going to shift your life. And it might be something as, as simple as adopt a kid. I know it's not simple, but um, a simple, you know, a sentence Adopt a kid. Or you need to go say you're sorry to that person. Or, hey man, 
you've screwed up that relationship enough. You need to start meeting with someone to help you learn how to love your wife the right way. What is that going to be? I don't know. And that's what I love about living for God is when we get quiet and we fix our eyes on things above, it gives God an opportunity to talk to us, to change our story. It gives God an opportunity, a moment to speak to us in such a way that can change our story. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In glory. I love that. I love that. It's not like, yeah, so you live this life sold out, abandoned for Christ. God is your everything. Every moment of every day, you're just trying to do the best you can to live a life for God. And then when it's all said and done, it's not like God's going to show up and be like, hey, nice work. Appreciate it. Good stuff. No, God's like, this is glorious. This is awesome. This is what I've been having and waiting for you to enjoy. Would you come with me? Would you let me shepherd you? Would you let me give you that life, that fullness, that intensity that only I can fulfill? Quit trying to fill your life with happiness and weak stuff. Find me at the core of who you are and be with me and talk to me and read about me and talk about me to people. That is the life that God has for us. But we get so fixed over here, going, but I I need this, and and I want this, but God, I don't think you understand. I'm kind of wired this way, and I don't know if this is going to work out, and I kind of have this need, and and it's not like God's going like, really? I didn't know that. Oh, I totally forgot I wired you that way. Oh, my bad. Oh, I totally forgot that you really, 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 really want that. Yeah, too bad. No, God knows exactly where you're at. And so maybe, just maybe, we could begin to live this life that remembers God is telling a story. God is doing something amazing. And he wants to use us. Jesus is the main character, but he wants to use us to tell his story to fulfill his will, to reach out and engage in others the way God has engaged us in our life. It's tough. I understand it's tough. I know it's tough. Share a quick story, and um, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Did I already say that once? Wrap it up, maybe? Okay, so you're really expecting it now. Um, Last couple weeks, our two-and-a-half-year-old son, Silas, has really started doing this whole, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, remember Tahoe? Which translation is, hey, father, whom I love and respect very much, do you happen to remember the time we went to Tahoe? So, but I get, hey, dad, hey, dad, remember Tahoe? <clears throat> and I'm sitting, I mean, out of the blue. I'm like, yeah, I remember going to Tahoe. Remember Captain Dan? Yeah, I, re- I remember Captain Dan, who is... Um, family member who, his parents owned the house, and we'd drive the boat, and we called him Captain Dan because he drove the boat. And, and that's all I get from Silas. 
hey, remember Captain Dan? And it's this moment that I just go, yeah, but then for the next two to three minutes, I'm just being reminded of how fun Tahoe was and how cool it was. And, and again, it happened yesterday. I mean, Silas continues to tell me these just random weird things. Hey, Dad, hey, Dad, remember Home Alone? Remember movie? Ah! <laughs> yeah, I do. That's it. But he's just, he just, he's having these little memories that are just like, oh, I got to share this with someone. I got to tell someone. Hey, Dad, Dad, you remember? What if our lives looked like Silas's life? Where throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year, throughout the months that we would have these things, these triggers that would remind us of who God is and the great things he's done. And we'd really wrestle with who he really is and what he really has for us to do this year. How do we put those little Silas moments into our lives? Some people get tattoos. Some people put scriptures over you know, in their mirrors, in their bathrooms. Some people put scriptures in their, their cars. W- what is it going to be for you to help you this year to remind yourself that God is telling a story? And the best, best, best thing I can encourage you to do is not reject that, Not accept it and make it your own, but to accept it and then spend your day, your week, giving God the glory because of it. What would your life look like? Well, a couple months ago, um, we uh, at Antioch heard about another church that was doing a a pretty cool ministry. So we liked it so much, we decided that we were going to um, take and very much steal their idea. And, and use it. And so it's called A Dollar for Change. And so starting this Sunday, we're going to um, kick off this new ministry. And it's a really simple concept, really easy um, if we choose to get involved with it. And so here's the idea. Every Sunday from here on out, we're going to have these buckets all around uh, the church. And the idea is that you and I would put a dollar in, Okay. Please don't put a five. Please don't put a 20. Even if you love the cause, don't put a hundred. We're looking for one dollar bill to go in these, and they're going to be spread all around. They're not going to get passed. They're just going to be set up around the church. And the idea is that we, on a Sunday, put a dollar in. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take those ones, and we're going to give it to one of you guys, all of those ones, hundreds, hopefully, and give them to one of you guys. And we're going to say, go make change in our community. Go be the change that someone else can't do for themselves. And so the story that we heard was of a social worker, didn't go to their church, but someone in their church knew of a social worker who knew of a family whose kids were getting made fun of at school because they didn't have the right shoes. So they collect, the church collected the money, as always, gave it to the person, the person gave it to the social worker and said, here's, I don't know, $300, go make change in the community. And so that lady took, the social worker took the mom, and they took the kids shopping. Life-changing stuff. You know what I'm saying? Life-changing stuff. So we're asking you guys to do two things. One is bring a dollar. One dollar. Put it in here. Two, start thinking who in your life could you make that change? Could you be that change? 
And hopefully over the next couple of months, we'll be giving you guys a fat wad of ones to go make change. And then as stories come in, we're going to share the stories. We're going to hear what God is doing through us as a body coming together, dropping a bucket in here, dropping a buck in the bucket, and then going out and watching that change happen. So if you know of someone right now that you could make a change in their life with on your connection card, would you simply write, so new, a dollar for change? Could, and, and make sure your name and your email is on that connection card. And then I want to get, next couple of weeks, I want to get in contact with you. And as dollars come in, I want to show up and say, hey, here you go, make that change happen. You see, when Jesus was on the scene, he didn't just sit in a temple and talk about how awesome he was, did he? He got out in the community, and he healed people. He met with people in such a way that he took care of their physical needs. He healed blind people. He fed hungry people. That's the nature of our God. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we want to do. And so we want to help empower you guys and you gals to go out, find that need in that person's life, and make that change. Does that make sense? Sound good? Yeah? Okay. Again, only $1 in here. Okay? If you only brought a five, this Sunday, next Sunday, a month from now, put a five in and take four ones out. We only want dollars coming in on this. Okay? I cannot wait to hear stories because I know you know people and I know people that are just waiting. They're just waiting for something to happen in their life. And how easy is it for us to come along and meet their physical need that they have? I can't wait to be able to step in the gap there and help and watch these people experience God like they never have before. Watch them feel that love, feel that tangible love. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that even right now we can bow our heads. We can humble ourselves. And God, we can fix our eyes on who you truly are are a God of love, of God of grace, a God whose story is to redeem us. And so, Lord, maybe we've been redeemed. Maybe we've put our faith in you. But maybe we've walked away. Maybe we've done our own plan. Maybe we've shaped who you are and what you say is right and what you say is wrong in our own minds. And God, if that's us, I just pray that during this next song that we'd spend time, maybe with our eyes closed, just reflecting on how we really have been treating you, God. Maybe we haven't rejected you altogether, but we, we definitely aren't totally living our lives to bring glory to you. We've kind of created a couple of our own loopholes. And our, our, our faith doesn't really line up with the scriptures. And so God, I guess just in a loving way, would you deal with us that way? 
And maybe you're here this morning and you're that third person. You've accepted God. You've, you've received his invitation of, of love and grace and you're walking with God. God, uh, during this next song, would you deal with us and would you let those people, Lord, um, feel um, your love and, and maybe even this morning, God, speak to them that they in such a way would, would hear what you have planned for them. Hear what that next chapter in their life is. God, as we just are here to interact with you, we're here to learn about you and to hear you and be challenged by who you are in this story that you're telling us. God, we so desperately want to be part of that story. That life is so much better than the life we can create our own, for ourselves. And God, I also just pray over the tithes and offering. God, would you give us, the church, um, wisdom and how to spend the money? Would you give the elders, Lord, insight on what you have planned for this church in the year 2011? God, that we would continue to be a, a group of people who gather for one reason, um, and that's to, to be with you, God, and to love you and, and watch and hear and be a part of what you have planned for us. So, Lord, we pray over the offering, God, that um, we would be wise in the ways we spend, spend the money. Lord, would we also be wise in the way we spend our time? Lord, I just challenge us all that this year, 2011, we would simply live our life like you exist, like you are real, that you are the God of the Bible, and you want to do those works in our lives. God, we can only achieve that through humility with you and having a life that wants to bring you glory and not ourselves. Father, we thank you.